0: We've been dealing with this topic since Christmas, with this idea of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, coming to the earth, and being our Savior, our leader, our guide uh, in our lives. And I always think after Christmas and those kind of matters, I think, well, now what? (laughs) Now what? That's kind of interesting because I think a lot of things in life, we ask about that. I mean... Uh, I I can remember, uh, and what I'm trying to do, as I've I've said, is trying to help us to understand that this matter about Emmanuel, God with us, might be bigger than we've thought. That's what his name is. The, the angel said to Mary, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God, with us. What does that mean? What, what does it mean that God is with us? And it's a larger idea, I think, than just simply maybe perhaps reducing it, although important, reducing it to Jesus dying on the cross for us. Uh, but it's similar to an idea that, that what I want to try to do is help us to understand it might be a little larger, more expansive. I remember uh, when we first uh, decided to buy a house, Uh, Had I known then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. (laughs) You you know, Becky asked me the other day, she goes, have you ever thought about us moving back to an apartment? I said, yes. Uh, Now, you know, there's some things about that, but I, I thought, you know, buy a house, but you also bought a fence and an air conditioner and a hot water heater and a dishwasher that doesn't work, and a refrigerator that goes on the fridge. And I thought, man, this is lots bigger. It, can I get a witness? Yeah. And remember when you used to be able to, when you bought a house, you could make money. Remember that? <clears throat> remember those days? Yeah. It. You know, buying a house is a bigger deal than just having a place to live. And I've often said to Becky, man, I wish we had somebody I could call about this air conditioner besides somebody like me paying for it. So life is like that. There, there are lots of things. i I've said to you before, when, when students come and talk to me about, uh, you know, uh, would I marry them, and w- they're not really asking me to marry them, they're asking me to officiate, but, you know, I don't think so. Uh, maybe a couple. Anyway, uh, but I'll say to them, i say, you know, uh, this is bigger than what you're asking me. You're wanting me to talk to you about a wedding, and I want to talk to you about a marriage, right? So, so these things in life are bigger, uh, when we just think about it for a minute, that that a lot of things in life that we work in or operate in, they're actually bigger than what we, we typically think about it. And so in thinking through that kind of idea of what is it that we need to understand that maybe this matter about the incarnation or about God with us is bigger. Now, I, I've still got that on your outline there, uh, your handout. And we've worked through this. And you can, again, it's the text of the incarnation we work through. This is nothing for you to do here. The truth of the incarnation that God is with us. And then the true the uh, thrust of the incarnation is where we 've been over the last several weeks that it 's the desire of deity that God that was his idea it was his idea uh, for uh, for uh, him uh, to send his son uh, the the second person of the Trinity to come and give his life for us so so this is not something that we cooked up this is something that we thought up it was the desire of deity and then we looked at this matter here is that it, that that this God with us is dealing with a disturbance. Uh, There's a disturbance here in the universe. And I'd said uh, earlier that that first disturbance is a relational disturbance, that God was in Christ trying to reconcile us to him. Uh, This uh, matter about uh, relationship that's broken, that that's what God wants. He's a relational God. He wants relationship with us. It's not a matter of a bunch of rules and regulations, but it's relationship that that operates out of. And so that's, a, that's an important piece. And these are all recorded if you're interested in to listen to it. Then second of all, we said there was another kind of disturbance in dealing with the disturbance was with debt, that idea in the scripture of Jesus paying our debt. And we, we worked through that. And last week I have it, I have it up this week as well, Socrative, you can see there on your uh, your handout, that if there are some of these issues uh, that um, that still requires some kind of uh, clarification. I'll try to try to weave this in here a bit. Uh, they're anonymous. Uh, I don't know who you are. Uh, I know by the way some of you write, I know who you are. But, uh, yeah, I know a couple of you. Yeah. And then a couple of you are just smart alecks, you know. Like I said, your shirt doesn't match your coat, so, you know. I'll deal with that. Um, but... Um, But the idea of of this debt and disturbance, and it disturbs people that the idea of debt, and and I'll try to work a little bit more with that. Then this idea of where we are is the deliverance from dominion. We we, we, we dealt with uh, some of that last week, Um, but (laughs) this is a bad thing. When When I go home, sometimes I go back over the lesson, and there was a couple of areas that I thought, you know, Cliff, you didn't get specific enough or detailed enough. It was a big picture, like we're delivered from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And we're going to look at that uh, again, but look here, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1. Go to your table of contents, that's where all the pages are listed. There we are, Colossians, My Bible 11, 24. Go to chapter 1, and we'll refer to this verse uh, several times and um, discuss, if you will, uh, this idea. I want to go into a little more detail uh, as it relates... Um, to having this idea of God is with us. He delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Now, we'll start back here in verse 9 of chapter 1. Verse 9. We read this last week. I just want to draw your attention to it. For this reason also, and the reason for this is previous, those first eight verses, for this reason, that's what Paul's referring to. Since today we heard it, we've not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and in understanding. So he's praying for them, just saying, look, we, 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 we need you to know that this is what we're praying for, that you'll be filled with this kind of wisdom and understanding that comes only from God, so that you'll be able to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's interesting here in this new kingdom we're a part of that Jesus has brought us to, that I think there's a connection here you ought to look at, that knowledge precedes the ability to do what? There it's in verse 10. Part of the so that. What? So that you can what? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Just notice this. In being delivered out of the dominion of darkness, there's a sequence here. The understanding and having wisdom and spiritual understanding then enables us to walk. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the spiritual wisdom of God, of what does it mean that Jesus came to live among us, he was here, that it requires Understanding it requires this increasing in the knowledge of god so that what you can't you can't miss that so that there's no premium here of not knowing there's no priority here of just trying to do things there's a priority here of paul praying to say in this kingdom this new dominion you're a part of there's an understanding that he's praying for so that you'll be able to walk and live and operate in a manner worthy. That's what we're doing here, right? That's what we're trying to understand. How do we understand this spiritual wisdom of God from Scripture and then enable us to walk in a manner that's worthy of Him? Increasing and bearing fruit, strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness, And patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. That's going to be the word we're going to look at today. Verse 13, for he rescued us from the domain or the authority or the governance of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. So what I'd like to look at today here is this deliverance from this dominion, this governance, this authority uh, there. uh, Different translations use this word here uh, in verse 13 from the dominion. It's also the the Greek word authority, uh, governance. And so we've been looking at now what did Jesus here? What has he done for me? Not only will he die on the cross for my sins, not only will he help me understand relationship, but what's happened here with respect to this dominion, this power of darkness that he's delivered me from. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. So this is the deliverance from the dominion of darkness. Now let's look here for a second uh, for this idea. Um, darkness is an image that's used uh, throughout the Bible that suggests um, uh, opposition to and difference from God. Uh, and it's I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of people are afraid of the dark. Um, and one guy said, it's not really that I'm afraid of the dark, it's I'm afraid of what's in the dark, <laughs> you know. Dark can't hurt you, but uh, sometimes what's in the dark uh, can hurt you. And uh, children often uh, struggle with this about darkness. So they're afraid of it. Uh, a lot of you, I'm sure, have uh, bought nightlights for your kids or put them in the hall uh, to deal with the imagined dangers in darkness. And I'm sure we've all done that. And maybe some of us older ones have even purchased a nightlight occasionally you know, to spur the economy, and <clears throat> and uh, Becky likes our house to be completely dark. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's like I think, what if I got to get up? You know, what, what if? Well, just uh, t- stay in bed. It, well, I'm 64. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> so. She likes it dark. I don't. I I want some light. So we've had this little discussion at times about a little night light at least that if you get up and move it turns on. You know, just just give me that. You know, just give me that. And so I've sort of arranged my own uh, process here of dealing with darkness. Uh, This is a picture of our house here um, and my collection of flashlights. (laughs) 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 You see there's one, two, three, four. I put these on my ankle so Becky can find me sometimes. There's one laying down. There's that one. There's that one. There's that, And there's that one. Now, these are the flashlights in our dining room. There are other ones in the bedroom. <clears throat> I want to always be prepared, right? Darkness. I don't like it. <clears throat> I don't like it. I mean, this is the, this is the police officer's flashlight right here. I carry. Yeah. Some other ones. Uh, I don't, I don't really like the, I don't I don't I don't like dark. I, I like a little bit of light. Who's with me on this? Uh, come on, come on. Uh, brother, the rest Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have, do I have names for them? Sorta. Of. <laughs> we'll keep that. I also have another one in a box. I only bring it out and show it off to people. It's like the Mama Jamma flashlight of the universe it would put your eyes out if i flashed you with it <coughs> like that but but it's only for special occasions uh like somebody's breaking in our house or <laughs> anyway but darkness the bible says we've been delivered from darkness i think about darkness i don't like it uh it, it's often a, a an image if you will of of evil and all the problems like that and and the bible uses this kind of language notice it says you rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. And so <clears throat> darkness throughout scripture is, is shown to be something that is in opposition to God or something that's hiding the truth about God. And so I, I would like to think about this, that, that, and I'll give you several verses. We'll look at a few here in a moment. But uh, this idea of, of coming out of the darkness into the light, out of the darkness into the light. In, in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6 it says you were children of darkness that's what we were before <clears throat> before Jesus came before we placed our faith in him if we've done that we were children of darkness and you know I, i'm going to i'm going to work on this a little bit but but it seems to me one of the images of the scripture and one of the matters here is that that's why people are having so many problems because they're in the dark they're in the dark That's the problem with darkness. You know, my toe uh, in the darkness is a coffee table locator. Don't you have one of those? Isn't your foot that? It's a coffee table locator. You want to know where the coffee table is? Just let my toe find it here. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's going on in the dark. You you don't know what's happening. And, And darkness here is saying that we were children of that. We didn't know what was around us. We didn't know what was going on. In 1 Peter chapter two, verse nine, it says that God called us out of darkness. <clears throat> and I want to work on this. God called us out of darkness. You know, I've been in some places. We went to Colorado Springs uh, over fall break, and we somebody had a crazy idea to go in these cave of the uh, cave of the winds. I thought, why do we want to go underground? You know, there could be an earthquake. My mind's always working. You know, <laughs> there could be an earthquake. Uh, Cement mixer could drop some up concrete. I don't know. But we got in there, of course they always gotta be funny, you know. You get four thousand feet down the ground. Now we're gonna turn the lights off. And I'm thinking, can you get them back on? <laughs> you know? And 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 so they turn the lights off. We're down in there in the bottom. I got my phone right here though, you know. I'm ready. They get the phone. And they turn the lights off. And I mean, you can feel the darkness, can't you? I mean it's like dark dark, like Way dark, way past dark. It and it's weird. I, do, I I feel disoriented. I feel I start feeling a little dizzy. You know, you know, it's just weird. It and 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 it, you know, Becky grabs me by the arm and they get Becky. Is that is that Becky? You know. <clears throat> it was Stuart, but you know. <clears throat> you don't know what's going on. Uh, you, you you don't you don't know what's happening and and the darkness of the world, the darkness of this kingdom we were in, where we didn't know up from sideways. We thought we did. You know, when, when I, I, I did some other research, this is not my notes, but... Um, you know, when Jesus was here and before that, it was a dark world. It still is. <laughs> there was darkness then. I mean, you can read... In the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, who, when he came and took over that area of the world, he decides the best thing for him to do would be to kill thousands of people and then to sacrifice a pig on the altar in the temple. Think about that. Pig. Altar. Then uh, Varnus, who was a Roman legislator out of Syria on about 4 or 5 B.C., uh, because there was been a bit of revolt, he he crucifies about two, not about he crucifies two thousand people on the roadside. There's some question as to whether Jesus, when he's a little boy coming back, may have seen that. There's just some 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 speculation that the, the timing of all this <clears throat> and all that that uh, Venice had crucified two thousand people along the roadsides, and that would Jesus and his family are coming back out of it. Maybe maybe we don't know. There's a dark world. It's a dark world. And so when you see this idea that we were delivered from the domain of darkness into the light of sun, it just makes you think about what does that mean? What what does that look like? So here's here's what I want to ask you to read with me today. I'm just going to do this. It's a rather long section. Go to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, 971. Go to chapter 1. And I'm just going to read this in your hearing. We'll make a couple of comments, but you can spend some more time. Uh, looking at it yourself, but, but this idea of now what? That the light is here. <clears throat> Notice here in, in um, chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 67. This is Zacharias um, that after he'd been struck blind or uh, uh, mute, rather, struck, struck mute, he couldn't speak uh, because he didn't believe what the angel said about John. Um, now he can speak, and he says this, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He's visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. And he spoke by the mouth of his prophets before old salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant to us being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For now you'll go before and prepare the way of the Lord for his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. Now, we've talked about this just a bit, but I just want to remind you there is Evidence in the New Testament that God can forgive sin before the cross. Okay? You just need to tuck that away. Notice what he says. For you will go before in a prayer's way to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. John came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That was his message. And Jesus healed the paralytic when he was let down through the roof. We've got to get clear here that this God can and did forgive sins before the cross. So again, I've, we've talked about the. So what does that mean? Now what? Now, now what does that mean? What, what else is going on at the cross besides that? So he says to forgive sins because of the tender mercies of our God, with whom the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine on us who sit in darkness. And the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way. All right. So he says, what, What's going to happen? The light is going to shine on us. This This Messiah. This This new one coming. Turn back, if you will, to Matthew or to Mark. I'm sorry, Matthew to Mark. Nope, Matthew. It was I. I did read it right. Matthew four. <clears throat> Matthew four, where this uh, statement <clears throat> is referred to in some degree from the Old Testament. In verse 12 of Matthew 4, verse 12 of Matthew 4, Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the voice of the prophet, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan of Galilee, the people who were sitting in what? darkness saw a great light and those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death upon them a light has dawned you see the imagery of the old of the bible is that that the coming of jesus the incarnation is the coming of light as opposed to darkness where people are ignorant superstitious unaware don't know The whole ancient world would be considered superstitious and religious and ignorant in many of these areas. And the light comes now to show the way. Stuart. Uh, Stuart's asking the question for a purpose of the recording that said to guide our steps in the path of peace and from our enemies <clears throat> said also you know, deliverance from our enemies um, <clears throat> let, me, let me try to explain this in this way I think it was largely understood by first century Jews that deliverance from their enemies would be the Romans to live in peace <clears throat> would mean that they were going to kick them out and they would be able to rule themselves Okay? That, that, I think that's the common understanding from the Old Testament passage. But the New Testament writers <clears throat> practice a thing called Pesher, P-E-S-H-E-R. <clears throat> and they take that language and understanding to say there's something greater than what you're thinking about. Uh, this is where you see in the New Testament in Matthew where it says, this happened in order that it might be fulfilled. In other words, this happened to fulfill what you read in the Old Testament, but it's now being revealed fully in the New Testament. And so the New Testament writers take that, Stuart, I think, to say to live in peace is to live in peace with God. To be delivered from our enemies is to be delivered from the great enemy, sin. i tell you why. If you look at the history of Israel before this, they were never really able to rule themselves. They kicked out the oppressor. It was still a terrible ex- experience, even with the Maccabeans and, uh, and the uh, uh, kings that they had. So I think the New Testament writers understand that that, that was the common idea. But they're going to take it forward to say this means peace with God and s- delivered from our enemies, the enemy of sin and the devil. Does that answer that? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interpretation, I would say, that's happening here throughout the, because the New Testament constantly suggests that this is not uh, that to have peace in the world is to not have all your circumstances straightened out. Now, if, we get the, if we just get the Romans out, we'll be fine. If we just get the right people in, we'll be fine. No. Peace with God transcends political, cultural, time kind of things. So, so the language here is a piece of light. Let me give you one more. Go to John. Over to the right, go to the Gospel of John. Just go to the right from Matthew till you see John. Um, this idea of okay, God, Emmanuel is with us, God is with us. Now what? Now, now what? Well, now what is that the light has come to reveal? And I want to talk a bit here in a moment. About what that looks like, uh, if you will. So the light has come. This is a pretty, uh, pretty famous uh, uh, passage here. When it says, "Verse one: In the beginning, the word. uh, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." I'm sorry, John. Did I take John one, chapter one, verse one? Okay, you having to read my mind? (laughs) Well, if you had to read my mind, it'd be a short read. (laughs) They're called cliff notes. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. See, get me started. So, yeah. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we're familiar with that, but I want you to notice a couple things here. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that was in being. In him was life, and was the life, was the light of men. I want you to notice how many times the word light shows up here. He, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The word comprehend means overcome it. This is almost like physics. Can darkness ever exterminate light? I mean, if you go from a physics standpoint, darkness cannot somehow snuff out light. It takes just a little bit of light. To snuff out darkness. That's from the physical world. We know that. <clears> they <throat> say, look, the light has come <clears throat> and the darkness cannot overcome it. It's impossible. It's sort of like Martin Luther King said, the arc of history bends toward justice. You can be unjust for a while. You can do things wrong for a while, but the arc of history is bending to justice. The light, as small as it may be, try to be snuffed out, cannot be extinguished. Light Always dispels it. So he says this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot or did not overcome it. Comprehend it. There was a man sent from John, uh, God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about what? The light. The light. So that all might believe to him. He was not the light, but he came to testify of the light. This was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Who is Jesus? The light. He's the light. Now what? He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness into, if you will, the kingdom of his son of light. And I want to ask you to consider, what do you see when you see the light? We used to sing an old song, I saw the light, I saw the, you know, Hank Williams, yeah. <laughs> Never thought I'd ever quote him in church, but uh, it happened. Yeah, I saw the light. I saw the light. What, what is it? Th- this idea of light. Um. I did a little study on light. Uh. And as you know, <clears throat> light has some incredible ca- ca- properties. Found out as I read this, and Becky always says to me, you know, after, in the wintertime like that, let's open the, door, the windows <clears throat> and let's uh, uh, open the shutters and windows. I say, finally, some light in here. But, no, she didn't say that. But, <laughs> but she says, let's open it up. And she always told me, she goes, it'll, it'll make the room smell better and it will kill germs. And I said, come on. Can't do that. She goes, oh, no, no, no. The ultraviolet ray in the light, you know, it comes in. It it kills some germs. I wonder sometimes that, why the flu's so bad because we got our windows all locked up and our houses locked up. Now, the thoughts and of opinions of teacher not necessarily thoughts and opinions across the community church nor its elders or leadership. I'm not saying go home and open your house up and let everything fly in and don't do this at home. I'm a professional. Okay. <laughs> don't. I'm not. I'm not recommending it. But. It's interesting that light has, the, has these properties that can be antiseptic. In fact, I saw something this week. I'm buying this. Wait a minute. I had another picture. Here it is. <clears throat> I'm buying that. I know Jay Hollaback's going to buy it too. This is uh, called the Cleanse Bot, <laughs> it's an ultraviolet thing. You put it on your bed when you're at a hotel. Oh, yeah. It won't fall off. It just... I'm buying one. I'm telling you, when I go to a hotel, the first thing I do is tear that bed up to pieces. to Take a look at it. Right? Yeah. I'm not kidding you. I'm buying one. I got two of them ordered, Jay, if you'd like. Uh, uh, there's a little markup. Why? Because ultraviolet light, light, light has the ability to cleanse, to, to make clean, and to reveal. Now, here's what I want you to think with me about just for a moment. i got to back up here. That When we see the light of Jesus, what do we see? God correctly. When, when we let the light shine with, through Jesus, what do we see? See, when you're in the dark, you can't see clearly. But when Jesus the light comes what do we see we see God correctly God is in the flesh in Jesus Christ Leslie Weatherhead made this statement some years ago in a book called The Cure for Anxiety. He was a British scholar and a British pastor and he said this and it sounds radical and I you know I just I got I got to work through this but he said this we will reject any view of God That we find that is inconsistent with the person of Jesus, even if we find it in the Bible. Now, I think what Weatherhead is saying is this. Hebrews chapter 1. I I, I think we've got, like we looked at that picture last week of the Sistine Chapel. I think we've got a lot of Yabbat ideas about God. Yabbit. You know what I mean? God is love. Yeah, but he's also. (laughs) You know, be careful. Well, God is it? Yeah, but he's also that. I mean, we've almost got him in tension with himself. What, what, what I think Weatherhead is, is referring to is this, is Hebrews chapter 1. In many and various ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. And that word right there, in many and various ways, means fragmentary. The Greek in there means in many and various ways, God's they're, they're fragmentary. They're partial. In many and various ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, who is the exact image of the immortal God. The Greek word there, icon. He's the picture of that. That, that What we have to do sometimes when we come into this kingdom, get out of this kingdom of darkness that, where we've developed all these ideas about God, where we've developed all these concepts about God, when we come into the light, we've got to let the light in some way blind us. Blind us with the majesty and wonder of this one named Jesus. I mean, I mean we, we've got this, yeah, but theology that, that, that causes us to never really fully lean into that this is God in the flesh before us revealing himself. Remember we said earlier, please God that all the fullness of God dwell in him. Please God. So we see God more clearly we not that seems stupid voice said, cliff it, we see God clearly whatever we understand about God whatever we see we've got to stack it up against the final complete full not partial not 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 fragmentary but complete revelation of God through Jesus Christ we see him clearly you know not seeing God clearly is our problem think think about it this way think about it this way In Genesis chapter 3, what does the devil do to get Eve to eat this apple? He questions the character of God. Did he really say that? That if you did it, you won't die. And then he finally says, hey, the reason he didn't want you to eat that, remember this? It's in in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Hey, the reason he didn't want you to eat this because you'll be like him. He doesn't want any competition. You know what the crazy thing about that is? Think about this for a second. The devil tries to call into question the character of God and says he doesn't want you to do this because he he knows you'll be like him. Wait a minute. They're already like him. The Imago Dei. They're created in the image of God. It says there he created Salem in the image of God. They're already there. But he questions God's character. I would tell you that every time I've ever rebelled against God or every time I've ever sinned against God, it's because I thought I knew better than he did or I thought he's holding out on me. Anybody with me? You can't trust him. You can't can't trust God to have your best interest at heart. You can't believe that he genuinely cares about you. He's God. He's too busy. When we have the light dawn upon us, in my judgment, we see God clearly. One of the things, I've said this in class before, uh, one of the things that was the most foundational, formational matter in my life was when I was 30 years old, the pastor of a church in a 1,000 people, when I finally had the courage to say to my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, but I have to tell you, I hate God. I hate him, Becky. Because my view of him was I could never please him. I could never do enough. And what I ever did was always judged. And I said, I'm out. I mean, I I, I had gone to school. I was a pastor. I had a degree in Bible theology. Yeah. But I had got so twisted when I would lived in the dark, like we all had. I couldn't believe that this God was that good, that kind, and that merciful to take on my sin, my problems, my life. And so when we get in this kingdom, I'm just telling you, it's been my lifelong journey, and I'm still on it. It hadn't got fixed. My lifelong journey is to constantly require of myself to make myself look in the pages of scripture, and say, this Jesus is God. This is what he's like. It's been a long journey. But you see, I gotta have one of those cleanse bots in my life. I gotta have some of that light to say. Cliff, over here in this corner in your life over here, where you have this sense that God always tries to one-up you, or when you get over in this corner over here in your life, when you think that whenever you do something wrong, the shoe's going to drop, or whenever you work as hard as you can, but it doesn't work out, that God is somehow displeased. William Temple made this statement, who was a great, um, uh, it was the Archbishop of Canterbury, when he said this, if you have an incorrect view of God, the more religious you are, the worse it is. Now think about that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He just he actually said, if you have a more if you have an incorrect view of God, the more devout. But I mean, if you have an incorrect view of God, the more religious you are, the worse it is. You had much rather be an atheist, because you're opening yourself to be malformed by this view. Think about that. That's a preacher in Canterbury. Saying, if you have an incorrect view of God, the more religious you are, the worse it is for you. It would be better for you to be an atheist. Because you're opening yourself to be malformed by some view of God that doesn't exist. And so we see God correctly. Hopefully, when we look at Jesus, when we force ourselves to say, I know what I've heard, I know what I've felt, I know what I got taught, I know all those things, but I've got to force myself to look at Jesus this is the kingdom of light. This is the kingdom of God. And so when we come into this kingdom, what do we see? We see God correctly. Uh, One of the things I do at the university, I wish would have happened to me when I was younger. uh, The first two weeks of class, after I get them all tightened up, you know, like this is my room, this is the syllabus. You'll be here at this time. you got to tighten them up the first week. After you tighten them up, then we... <laughs> yeah, I'm not really that mean. Sort of. Hey, I just tell them, somebody's paying for this. Your parents probably would like for you to get an education, you know. But we begin on that second week with asking the question, how do you see God? How do you see Him? And is the way you see Him... Informed by the person of Jesus. And when I read their papers, you might be shocked to hear them say that they believe that if they did something wrong that God would kill them in their sleep. Ever had that thought? I did. Years and years ago. I mean, that's crazy stuff. That's nuts. And yet, it's because... When we see the light of Jesus, we see a God that we often would say, that's too good to be true. Too good to be true. I'll tell you something else we see. I'm going to hurry. Our sort of. We see ourselves correctly. Uh, You know, there's uh, some research I've been reading and and work with my students that social media... um, there's some studies, uh, data revealing that social media is contributing to a high, high level of depression and destructive behaviors. Because people are judging their little life against somebody over here that looks like their life is just great. And that person is lying anyway, so you know, just forget. <laughs> but there's all kinds of pressures now for us. How do we see ourselves? How do we how do we view ourselves? And 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 one of the things I think when we get in this kingdom of light is that, is that we see ourselves correctly. And I want to come back to this thing in Genesis when it says we were created in the image of God. You can't lose that. You can avoid it. You can mess around with it. You can you know, dirty it up with dirt. But you can't lose the value that you have. The scripture says we were created in his image. In the image of God, He created us. You know, there's a story. I, I, a friend of mine tells all kinds of stories. He's a preacher, so I don't know if it's true or not. But, <laughs> yeah, you never know. You know, a preacher. You know, the other day it was nine years ago. Uh, but anyway, there was a story he told. I'm just the Hope Diamond, which I guess was. but well, wait a minute. That was lost on the Titanic, wasn't it? I forgot. Anyway, no. See the movie? No. Uh, the Hope Diamond it's supposed to be the largest cut diamond. Some of y'all, some of, you got to step with me here. You got. I'm talking about a movie here. Anyway, uh, Hope Diamond, the largest single-cut diamond ever mined out of the mines of uh, gold mines, uh, diamond mines, was told that toward many years later that a, a lady had had possession of it. And as she got older, she began to have some problems that we all have about memory and different things like that. And she had that Hope Diamond then put around her dog's neck. When she would walk him. And when she walked him, he walked through the mud. You know, my dog, you know, he goes to water and mud all the time, you know, just normal. And, and what happened was that, that that Hope Diamond certainly got encrusted with dirt and junk and dog hair and all kinds of stuff. When somebody discovered that, they got it off the dog, got it cleaned up. But here's the question. Did it ever lose its value? No. When you make mistakes or we do dumb things or we fail in life, do we lose our value? See, the Christian view is the guy that's a brain surgeon is creating the image of God. And the guy that's living under a bridge down in Reno is creating the image of God. They both have... A, now, their contribution may be completely different to society and the world, but their, their value is settled. I think about this. Uh, some of y'all have children and grandchildren. Uh, Becky and I never were able to. Um, but, you know, you see your grandchild. And, I mean, I've watched some of you, you know, uh, with your grandchildren or your children, most of your grandchildren, that, I mean, you're just drawn to them. You are you know what? There's something of you in them. Think about it this way. There's something. They they have your hair because you don't have any hair left, but do they? (laughs) Yeah, granddad's, you you don't have any hair, but he's got hair. Remember those days? Yeah. But they'll have some of your mannerisms, or they look like you when you're a child. I saw a picture of me and my dad. I saw a picture of my dad, and I saw a picture of me, and it scared me. I thought, whoop. We just looked like each other. You know what that is? So that that attractional kind of nature, you're drawn to that kid. Why? There's some of you in him. Can I tell you something about your heavenly father? He's attracted to you. He's attracted to you because there's something of him in you. There, there's something of him in you. Yes. Yes. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's some discussion here that he's, for the recording that that Jesus is that Imago Dei, that that unfettered, that that unaffected by sin. There are some who would suggest, and it would take a while to unpack this, that Jesus is not only that, but he is what what humanity looks like. When it depends on God. Think, just think about this a second. That this is what humanity is capable of. That, that's a disturbing thought. It comes, comes from Philippians 2 where it says, it's the Greek word kenosis, where it says Jesus emptied himself. Huh? He emptied himself and took upon the form of a servant, being created in the likeness of man, taking on the form of a servant. So is it possible that that imago day, that image of God in Jesus, is what human beings are capable of? That's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. To say, whoa, wait a minute. Is is Jesus emptying himself Now, let me be careful here. We're not going to finish today. But let me say this. Jesus never ceased to be God. Okay, when it says he emptied, he didn't, didn't, okay, he's not God now. But it says he emptied himself. Where is this? That Jesus never used his power for himself. He still healed people, cast out devils, did things. He never Took on the devil. He never did anything in ministry except depend on his father. He never used his power for himself. We, I said this in a small group, and I, I thought I was going to get run out on a rail. But the question was, you know, could Jesus have sinned? I said, yes. Or that's kabuki theater. Sure he could. He emptied himself. He would not take advantage of that power. This is why Jesus makes crazy statements. We go, ugh, I can't look. He said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. I don't do anything. What is that? That total human dependence on his Father. Is that the Imago Day? Cut free, loosed, independent. It's a lot of issues. I've got about 14 ideas here right now that I've just got to stop. But is that is that, that's heavy. You know, C.S. Lewis said it this way. This is not my, well, I'm, I've been going over here. These are the cliff notes. You know, C.S. Lewis said, you never, you never ever met a common person. He said, if you could see who, I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing. He said, if you could see who they are on the inside, you would either fall down and worship them. Or run in abject fear because of their greatness. That's what, that's what Lewis said. Inside of us, inside of us, there's greatness. And I'm not just talking about finances or you know, winning the Super Bowl or that. I, I'm talking about this kind of greatness of the, the connection, the, the relationship with God through the Imago Day. Does that make sense? Have you seen that about you? When you came into this kingdom? I mean, we talk a lot about Jesus. We should, but have you seen who you are? (laughs) Have you you seen who you are? I mean, you're the top of God's creation. You bear, you share this incredible likeness. The, the, The Hebrew word for... Uh, is Salem, which is the word for in in modern Hebrew now, picture. You look like him. You, hopefully, we act like him. So, do you see yourself? Do 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 you see yourself in your worth and your value? To me, it's amazing. I you know I, I have all kinds of arguments with God about this all the time. Well, but I did this. No, but Cliff. You bear my image. You're valuable. I don't know if I struggle with that. I, I, I just think other people are. I've told you, you know, I I think most of our friends like Becky. And they just let me hang around. You know, now don't come up to me and say that later because you. Somebody, we like you, clip. I'm not asking for that. Really, I'm not. I'm really not. But that whole worth thing, that whole worth thing is deep in us. And it's found its way in there in the darkness. In the darkness of our own sin. In the darkness of broken families. You know, my, my folks weren't perfect. My, they did the best they could, but they did a lot of dumb stuff. My dad told me that. We're not trying to blame... We're not trying to blame anybody here. We're trying to say, look, we're all the product of broken life and broken world and in the dark. We've all lived in the darkness for a long time. We just need to have the light. So would you do something for me this week or for yourself, actually? It's not on your handout. We'll finish the rest of this someday. <clears throat> two, two, two things. One is... Get a picture of yourself and look at it every day. This week, a picture of yourself and say, There is a person that bears the image of God. That's a person right there. That's you. Get a picture and just look at it each day and just say, There, and say it out loud. I think you need to hear it in your ears. There's a person created in the image of God. On this other thing <clears throat> about seeing God correctly, on this, on this matter, I don't think, look, I've been, I've been teaching this. I've been working on this. I've been dealing with this for 40 years. And it comes and goes at times. Comes and goes. More so than others. I, I, I wish God would fix me. Say amen. (laughs) (laughs) I wish he would. I wish he would fix everything, you know. But see, that's because I don't want to have to depend on him every day. I just want him to fix me, then I don't have to depend. You you might need, again, to give some attention to this. And there's a couple things. One is a book um, called Your God is Too Small by J.B. Phillips. It's been in print for 100 years. Not 100 years, 60 years. There's another book, it may be harder to find, and I'll talk to Susie, but I've got it. I've got it on my Kindle, and you get it, and it's by a guy, from a guy named Thomas Wilcox. Thomas Wilcox, and the name of the book is A Little Taste of Honey from the Rock. A Little Taste of Honey from the Rock. Our third book, Third book, if you can't get that one, I, I I think you're still able to get it. The Bookends of the Christian Life by Jerry Bridges. The Bookends of the Christian Life by Jerry Bridges. Um, maybe one of the best books I've read in the last 15 years. I've recommended everybody I know. The Bookends of the Christian Life. Because I'm just saying something that this idea of the light showing us who God is is a journey. We got a lot of darkness, a lot of corners you got to send that clean bot. <laughs> Your God is too small. A little taste of honey from the rock. And the bookends of the Christian life. So have you seen the light? <clears throat> Maybe a little dimmer than you want, but you're seeing it. Let's, this week, open ourselves to the light. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are blinding when we look at you and drop all of our arguments and all of our yabbits. You're blinding. And yet, we, we desire to look and see you more Clearly. And so I pray for myself and I pray for each one of us that we would pray this prayer. That we would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. So help us this week to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, to follow you more nearly. In Jesus' strong name, amen.